Did you know that Italy and Mexico have a similar flag? Well, it's not the only thing that these two countries have in common. Join me to explore their similarities in this episode. Italy and Mexico's flags share the same colors, green, white, and red. Although I must say that Italy's flag uses a lighter shade of green and red. Also, both the Italian and the Spanish language have a common ancestor, Latin, which is the language that was spoken by the Western Roman Empire. So both Italian and Spanish belong to the family of Romans' languages. Another interesting fact is that about 85% of their population is Catholic. Both hold processions of the Virgin Mary, known to Italians as the Madonna and to Mexicans as Our Lady of Guadalupe, or La Morenita. Both groups are described as oriented toward the family well-being, rather than the individual well-being. See, for example, the phenomenon called Rosero Effect, which was first identified in the town of Rosero, Pennsylvania. This town of mainly Italian-Americans back in the 60s had half the national average rate of heart disease. This finding helped researchers realize that there was an inverse correlation between heart disease and stress. You see, the Italian-Americans living in Rosetto were less likely to be stressed about what would happen to them in their old age because of the close-knit community and the family-oriented lifestyle that they lived. But if there's one thing where we can draw more clear similarities is through the lens of emigration. First, there is a similarity of seasonal migrants. From 1900 to 1910, about 40% of Italians who came to the United States eventually returned to their homeland. Many of them would make the trip back and forth several times. In Italy, they were known as the Ritornati, which means the returned. If we look at Mexico, prior to the 1990s, many Mexican immigrants would come to work in the summer and return to Mexico for the winter. They were able to go back and forth several times. However, many of these immigrants stopped doing that when the U.S. started to build a wall and increased its number of Border Patrol agents at the southern border. This obviously created a greater risk of getting caught at the border, causing that many choose to stay in the U.S. permanently. Another similarity is that many of these first immigrants from both countries were mainly male and came here for economic reasons, which means that they left their country of origin, Mexico or Italy, because the conditions and job opportunities there were scarce or insufficient. These type of immigrants are called economic migrants. Yet another similarity is that they both sent remittances back to their country of origin to help their families. In other words, the Italians were more or less the Mexicans of the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Let's review some of their history as immigrants to the North American continent. One of the most recognizable names in the history of the colonization of the American continent is perhaps that of the controversial Italian explorer Cristoforo Colombo, known to us as Christopher Columbus. 
He was born in Genoa in 1451 in, in what is now Italy. However, back in the day, Italy did not yet exist as a country. Christopher Columbus never set foot on the North American continent. As a matter of fact, he first arrived in the Bahamas. He later reached parts of Central and South America, but never made it to, the, to North America. Um, however, there's no doubt that he set in motion a flood of migration that would completely transform the entire American continent. Another Italian that is worth mentioning is the Venetian explorer Amerigo Vespucci, who deduced that the discovery of these new lands were part of a new continent, which he called the New World. Within a few years, his name, Amerigo, was used to give this new continent a name, which is America. Migrants from the Italian peninsula have had a presence in North America since colonial times, although they were small in numbers at first. Many of these early migrants worked as sculptors, woodworkers, and glassblowers. Prior to the unification of the Italian peninsula in 1861, most of its migrants came from what is now northern Italy. They were fleeing the wars that led to the Italian unification and independence from foreign rule. Italians in the mid-19th century, mainly Sicilians, did not arrive in Ellis Island because this famous immigration checkpoint did not yet exist. They would actually arrive in the port of New Orleans. After the emancipation of the slaves in the U.S., the economy from the southern states was in shambles. The loss of free slave labor provided an opportunity for the southern Italians to work on the sugarcane fields of Louisiana. These Italian immigrants would take the jobs that no American wanted to do. Does that sound familiar? By 1890, the Sicilians were fast becoming the largest immigrant group in New Orleans and they eventually took control of the historic French market, which they called among themselves Little Palermo. The locals started to become suspicious of them because these strangers, you know, these foreigners, had different customs and spoke a foreign language. Then, one night in the fall of 1890, the chief of police in New Orleans, David Hennessy, was shot to death. The mayor blamed the Sicilian gangsters and apprehended more than 200 Sicilian Americans. 19 of those 200 were charged with murder and put on trial, but were found not guilty for lack of evidence. However, in the court of public opinion, the Sicilians had already been found guilty on the merit of being, being Italian. There was this prejudice against Italians back in the day, They were seen as a lower kind of people who were prone to commit crimes. And, and before the accused Sicilian Americans could be freed, a mob of about 10,000 people gathered outside the jail where the Sicilians were being held. Then they broke into the jail, dragged 11 of them out, and lynched them. The press largely agreed with this lynching. The following day, the front page of the New York Times read, Chief Hennessy Avenged. After this incident, the word mafia starts to appear in U.S. newspapers in association with Italian immigrants. Once you see someone as a foreigner, 
you start to suspect about them because they're a complete stranger to you. And then your instinct says you need to find a justification for your suspicion. Part of that process involves assigning a word to define this group of foreigners, this group of strangers. And for Italians, that word was the mafia. To this day, no one knows who killed Chief Hennessy. However, in the eye of the New Orleans community, the Italians were guilty. You see, the entire Italian community had been painted with the same brush. To the locals, the Italians were all the same. Does that sound familiar? I mean, that, that is not to say that there was no Italian crime. You know, they, these were poor immigrants coming to the U.S. in any poor neighborhood, you will find crime. So, so that is, uh, you know, a reality. However, when you paint a whole, a whole community as if they're all criminals, then the story changes. Then, then people start to hate not only the, the, the ones who committed the crimes, but the whole community. And, and that's when it becomes very dangerous and very risky. On January 1st of 1892, Ellis Island officially opened as an immigration station. When Southern Italians started arriving in the U.S. in large numbers in the late 1800s and early 1900s, they entered through Ellis Island. For most Italian Americans, Ellis Island is the first chapter of their family story in the United States. All newcomers passing through Ellis Island went through a series of inspections where they were checked for physical and mental fitness and for their ability to find work in the U.S. If they failed to pass any of these inspections, they could be sent back. In reality, only 2% of Italians were turned away. However, this fear of being sent back or being separated from a family member if they failed an inspection led to the Italian immigrants to refer to Ellis Island as L'Isola delle Lacrime, or the Island of Tears. Working and living conditions for these new immigrants were substandard. In New York City, at the turn of the century, most Italian immigrants lived in narrow apartments often grossly overcrowded by their landlords. Their working conditions were, weren't any better. A majority of Southern Italians had only worked as farmers back home, and as a result, they were only qualified for unskilled labor, which tended to be more dangerous. Many Italians went to work digging canals, laying gas lines, building bridges, and tunneling out the subway system of New York. As large numbers of Italian immigrants continued to arrive in America in the early 20th century, Italian communities bloomed across the country. They worked in a variety of jobs. In San Francisco, they were fishermen and stevedores. In Appalachia and the Mountain West, they worked in pits and mines. In the quarries of New England and Indiana, they worked as stonemasons. They also worked in farms and ranches and every corner of the country. In the East, in the South and the West Coast. There were also Italian entrepreneurs. In San Francisco, a first-generation American of Italian parents by the name of Amadeo Pietro Giannini began offering small loans to people in the Italian community, going door-to-door -door to collect interest. His operation grew to the point that he had to rent an office, then to buy a building. He called this financial institution that he created Banca d'Italia you know, which means Bank of Italy, 
Today's Bank of Italy has become one of the largest financial institutions in the world, and its current name is the Bank of America. In spite of the financial success that some Italians and their children achieved, many Italian immigrants still found themselves working for low wages. They also had to confront prejudice and nativist hostility. The Italians, along with immigrants from Eastern Europe, were blamed for taking jobs for, from Americans. They also had to endure racist stereotypes. Does that sound familiar? You know, this animosity to Italian immigrants at times resulted in violent acts. Catholic churches were burned or vandalized, and Italians were attacked by mobs. On film, Italians were usually portrayed as villains or peasants. You know, the crime figure or the thief was usually an Italian in those movies. Italian immigration began to decrease at the onset of the First World War. Then, the Immigration Acts of 1921 and 1924 further limited the immigration of Italians to the United States. By the time that World War II began, Italian Americans had stepped permanently into the center of U.S. cultural life. However, not all of them had it easy during World War II. You see, on December 7, 1942, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, This attack brought the U.S. into the war, and since the fascist Italian government was an ally of Japan, the Italians in America were immediately looked at with suspicion and fear. Then, four days after the attack on Pearl Harbor, Mussolini declares war on the United States. This situation complicated matters for the Italian immigrants even more. They started to see how their new country turned on them. Two months after Mussolini's declaration of war, Franklin D. Roosevelt issued an executive order, which, among other things, required that Italian immigrants who had not become American citizens head to the post office to be fingerprinted, photographed, and furnished with an enemy alien registration card, which they were expected to carry at all times. Italian immigrants suddenly became enemy aliens. About 600,000 Italian immigrants were forced to carry these enemy alien IDs. About 10,000 were forced out of their homes and hundreds were sent to internment camps. Many of these so-called enemy aliens were actually elderly Italians who had never bothered to pursue citizenship. As a result, they were suspected as spies by virtue of their country of origin. Those who were not hauled away from their homes and sent to internment camps were restricted to travel only within a five-mile radius. This meant that if an American child of Italian immigrants, for example, was hospitalized and the hospital was further away than five miles, the parents could not visit their child. These so-called enemy aliens couldn't attend a relative's funeral or visit friends and family if they lived farther away than five miles. What's even worse is that if Italian immigrants had sons in uniform at military installations, they could not visit them. They could not visit their own sons. How wrong is that? The sons went to war to fight for America, while the parents were treated as enemy aliens by the federal government. It was a clear violation of their civil rights. At the end... Nearly one million Italian-Americans served in the armed forces during World War II. 
As they began to gain upward social mobility, the children of Italian immigrants could be found in all regions of the U.S. in almost every career and every walk of life. New York City is one of the major American cities that has been greatly influenced by the Italian immigrants. After all, many of the first generation of Italian immigrants stayed in New York after they arrived uh, in Ellis Island. Today, Italian Americans are represented throughout the American society. From politics to sports to science, you have probably heard about some of them. I invite you to join me in the next episode to learn about a few of them. We'll talk about uh, people like Joe DiMaggio, um, like Frank Sinatra, uh, Tony Bennett, um, Lady Gaga, Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Ruffalo, uh, Jay Leno, Madonna, Ray Romano, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Sylvester Stallone, John Travolta, the infamous Joe Arpaio, um, Antonin Scalia, Rudy Giuliani, Kilian Conway, Nancy Pelosi, Mike Pompeo, uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, Ken Cuccinelli, um, uh, Andrew Cuomo, Mario Cuomo, Bill de Blasio, um, and Anthony Fauci. So there, there's quite a few of them that have really interesting stories. So please join me on the next episode. You will not be disappointed. Once again, my name is Luis, and this is Community of Strangers. See you in a bit. <music>